Well, good morning again, church. Well, we in this series, All the Feels, we started talking about grief, then compassion, and last week, a great message on joy. I got to confess to you that whenever they told me the order and that Bill Balknight and I drew the short straw and get a preach on anger, I got a little angry. I mean, why not joy? I could preach on joy. And they told me that I didn't have enough joy, it's that Chad had more joy. Well, you got plenty of anger, Pastor Jeff, you can do that. So I don't know how to take that, but, uh, but I'll take it as God's assignment, so here we go. I wanna say a word about feelings, because feelings are a part of who we are. We don't get to always choose the feelings that are inside of us. Now, we certainly get to choose how we handle the feelings, but feelings are part of our personality. So I have this illustration that I've used many times. In fact, I used it so much that a, that a lady made this box for me. It's the only one in the world because it's handmade, but it's an illustration of a train, of an engine, a coal car, and a caboose. You can see it up on the screen there. And the engine... I call facts, and the coal car is faith, and, and, and the caboose is feelings. And we're talking about feelings, all the feelings. And in our Christian life, for us to go forward in our life, in our faith, we've gotta put our faith in facts. And the facts are based upon God's word, on scripture, truth. In fact, the last three weeks, the team's done a great job talking about how Jesus handled his feelings in regards to grief, in regards to compassion and, and joy. And today I'm going to get a talk of how Jesus handled anger. Now, the, the challenge is, is when I put my faith in my feelings and I make my decisions every day on my feelings, then this train's going to go nowhere. My life is not going to go anywhere. And today, if anger is leading your life, you are headed for trouble sooner or later. And we know the concern we have right now in our country, there's a lot of anger. And anger does not, be, does not need to be what's leading the train, the direction of our nation and certainly the body of Christ. So what this series really is about is how our feelings relate to biblical fact and biblical faith how my feelings are connected to biblical facts and biblical faith. I believe that biblical truth informs and transforms our feelings. Those good feelings, those not so good feelings, those feelings that, that seem bad that can become good. Now, I remember <clears throat> growing up as a child, as a teenager, that I had a problem with anger. And I became a Christian when I was 14 years old but anger did not go away. I remember one particular incident where <clears throat> I had been cutting grass and I didn't have a shirt on. It was hot, July, August. Talking to a friend, you know, 14-year-olds talking about stuff that 14-year-olds talk about. And my little half-brother, Sam, came running up and picked up wet grass and threw it on me. And I handled that pretty well. I said, don't do that again but I felt something happening inside of me, right? 
So he laughed and did it again. And I said, don't do that. Well, the third time, it didn't turn out so well. Third time he threw grass on me and he, and he began to run because he knew that that was a thing to do. And I, 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 had, I felt this anger just consume me. And I reached in my back pocket and for some reason, I don't know why, I had a, a starter's pistol, which is a, a blank, shoots blanks. And I knew I couldn't shoot him. So I took the gun and I threw it at him. I can still see that gun going through the air like this and hit him right in the back of the head, right? And he stumbled for a minute and, and he looked back and says, you're gonna get it now, as blood was squirting out of his head. And I knew I was dead. You know, I knew I was, you know, I'm gonna die. All the way home, I heard him screaming. And, and I knew I had to follow the blood trail back, right? As I followed the blood trail back, I knew I was dead. You know, I was gonna get killed. But something inside of me whispered to me, the Holy Spirit, as a young Christian, goes, you gotta get, you gotta get control of this. This will derail your life. This will cause you problems. And so as I rode to the hospital <laughs> to get my half brother to get four stitches in the back of his head, him telling me the whole time I was gonna get it, I knew that God was speaking to me. And he survived and I survived. And I still wrestle with anger from time to time, like we all do. But I've invited God into the struggles I have with anger. I want you to do the same thing today. What is anger? A definition, it's a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, hostility. It can be a strong desire to hurt or destroy something or someone. Anger is a protective response to a perceived hurt. When we feel hurt, a lot of times we strike out in anger. And church, there's an epidemic of anger in our land today that is more dangerous perhaps than the pandemic that we're battling. And if we don't get a grip on the anger, this anger is gonna consume our country. And heaven forbid it consume the church. The National Coalition Against Domestic Violence reports that there are over 10 million people every year that experience domestic violence, 10 million people. Anger is the number one cause. And I would say to all the husbands and wives in the room that if we don't learn how to handle anger, we will never have a satisfying marriage. How do we handle anger? I know many of you read this story on the front page of newspapers and newscasts, the internet. Retired neurosurgeon, no, excuse me, anesthesiologist, retired anesthesiologist, Dr. Rennie Boucher, watched his neighbor cut his grass and dump the clippings close to the border. For 10 years, these two men had been fighting about grass clippings. And on that particular day, Dr. Rene Boucher snapped and he attacked Senator Paul Rand, pushing him off his lawnmower, breaking several of his ribs. These two highly educated, wealthy men who lived in an exclusive neighborhood in Bowling Green, Kentucky, fought in the front yard over grass clippings. That's an epidemic of anger. Road rage has increased by 500% over the last 10 years. 
82% of Americans have engaged in road rage in the past year caused by tailgating or cutting someone off or distracted driving or in this charged environment right now, having the wrong bumper sticker. And then just a few, couple months ago, on 521, outside of Georgetown, South Carolina, a dad was in the car with his daughter. And as they got ready to turn into their driveway, someone rear-ended them. They got out, a discussion took place, and the driver who rear-ended them pulled a pistol and shot both of them and killed them. A pastor buyer had stopped to offer assistance. He got shot as well and survived. An epidemic of rage going on all around us. There are many reasons for us to be angry right now. I know that many of you are angry about wearing masks. I don't like to wear a mask either. But out of a Christ-like spirit, I put a mask on and I go into Publix or I go into Lowe's or, uh, yeah, I'm angry right now because I can't go to our granddaughter's gymnastics competition today in Charleston. Only one parent gets to go in. Makes me angry. We're angry about economic loss. We're angry about how schools are being run. We're angry about quarantines. We're angry about the injustices we've seen in recent months in our country. We're angry about political things. But I remind you, church, that God has used the tough times like these to strengthen our faith and develop our character. As anger explodes around us, it's an opportunity for us to truly be the light, to show how Christians respond to anger and live with anger. Dr. Bill is preaching on the same subject in the auditorium, I mean, in the sanctuary. And he's talking about a spiritual pill we need to take, we need to give for the spike of fever, rage fever that is gripping our country. As I get into this this morning, I just want to say a couple words that some of you may be afraid of anger. Maybe growing up, you got abused by anger. And so you really shrink back. You don't get angry. You don't want to get angry. You're afraid of angry, being anger. Afraid of anger, afraid of being angry. And I think there's a danger in that because you can become passive and even apathetic. Jesus, we'll see in a minute, got angry. Some of you may be enjoying your anger too much. You become addicted to the adrenaline of rage. And you never feel fully alive except when your anger is raging. That's not good either. And then I want to be able to speak hopefully through these words about our theology on anger. Now, again, they gave me a subject we could have had five sermons on. So don't get angry if I go a few minutes over. Let me talk about righteous anger. Jesus got angry at least 15 times in the gospels. He got angry. We see in the Old Testament that God got angry. I don't believe that our God is an angry God, but our God gets angry. I don't believe that Jesus is an angry Jesus, but Jesus got angry. I believe that when we see Jesus, we see the Father. If we want to understand the anger of God in the Old Testament, we got to look at Jesus, who is God in the flesh. In fact, Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So let me read to you some scripture now. If you would stand, if you're able, I want to read from Mark chapter 3. 
Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Sunday for the Jews, it was on Saturday, but the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day of doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? It's a great question, isn't it? Is the Sabbath a day to save a life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. And he said to the man, hold out your hand. Let me just tell you, side note in the sermon, if Jesus says, hold out your hand, hold out your hand. If Jesus says, give me your heart, give him your heart. Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored, healed. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Father God, bless this word. Speak to us about anger. Help us to look at Jesus as our example. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. So these religious leaders were watching to see if Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. They cared more about their religious customs and their authority, their pride, than this man's withered hand. Now note that Jesus did not avoid the confrontation. He could have said to the man, hey, let's, uh, let's wait until tomorrow. Come back tomorrow and I'll take care of the problem. He didn't do that. He was willing to bring the man up in front of everybody. And then he told him to stretch out his hand and he healed him. In perfect self-control, Jesus healed the man. You hear that? In perfect self-control, he healed the man. And yet he was angry. He was angry at sin. He was angry at their hardened hearts. He was angry at their stubbornness. He was angry that they did not see the need right in front of their faces. But he did not allow his anger to immobilize his ability to care. His ability to serve. His ability to heal. If you want to follow the example of Jesus, you can't let your anger immobilize your ability to glorify God and to do God's will. And contrast that with the unrighteous anger of the Pharisees. When they saw what Jesus did, what they do? They got angrier. And with rage, they left there and, and began to plot with Herod on how they would kill Jesus. It's a lot of anger. When it leads to a murder plot, that's out of control anger. Jesus controlled his anger. The religious folks did not. There's another story in Mark chapter 10. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus, just like these parents brought their children today to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God is like a child 
like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. He blessed them. He blessed them. Despite his anger at his disciples, he blessed children. Don't stop them. And I would tell you one of the most difficult parts of our COVID restrictions here at Mount Horeb has been the closure of our children's ministry. It's been hard on our staff, on our team, on our parents, on our families. And our team has done a great job providing virtual um, opportunities, resources, but it's not the same. We look forward to bringing our children back, don't we? Amen? So Jesus can touch them. He can bless them. You see, I just got to be a vehicle today of Jesus blessing your children. Jesus was touching and blessing your children. Amen to that. Righteous anger is based on love and concern because there are consequences. If we don't bring back our children, there are going to be consequences. We started back student ministry earlier because there were going to be consequences if we didn't start back student ministry. Students needed to hear that Jesus loved them. Our children need to hear that Jesus loves them. Our God hates sin, and our God gets angry about sin. A righteous wrath. Romans 1 says it this way from the message paraphrase, but God's angry displeasure erupts as acts of human mistrust and wrongdoing and lying accumulate as people try to put a shroud over truth. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, life abundant, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Since sin destroys people, God would neither be righteous or loving if he did not get angry at sin. If God did not hate sin with a holy passion and sometimes an angry passion, he would not be a righteous and loving God. God's wrath is tempered by his grace and his mercy. And I love these words out of 2 Peter 3, 9. God is slow to anger. Can somebody say amen to that? I am so thankful that God is slow to get angry. If God was not slow to get angry, none of us would be sitting here today. All of us would have been consumed by the righteousness, justice of God. But our God is slow to anger. Why? Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Jesus got angry about unfaithfulness. Jesus got angry about unfruitfulness. Jesus got angry about unrepentance. Jesus got angry about unethical treatment of children. Jesus got angry, church, at the unbridled self-righteousness within God's people. He got angry at God's people when they got self-righteous. Jesus got angry at unconcern. Jesus was angry at the people preventing people from getting spiritual help. Then he was angry at the people who needed spiritual help. Do you hear that? If we were getting in the way of someone getting the help they need, his anger is at us, not at the person who needs the help. To be like Jesus is to be angry about the things that make him angry. Our God is a loving God. Our God is a kind God. Our God is a patient God, but our God is not passive in kindness and in discipline. And sometimes in anger, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Amen. Haven't we done the same with our children? Haven't we in controlled anger because we love them? Because we're frustrated by them? We want to take them, we want to shake them. 
but we don't because we want them to do the right thing. We want them to experience life and life abundant. So we want to, to love them. And if we do that, how much more does God do that? Righteous anger produces holy discontent. Righteous anger produces holy discontent. Not angry at the person, but the problem. Now that gets difficult, I, I confess, when the person is a problem, right? When the person is a problem, it's hard not to get angry at the person. But we need to focus on the problem. Focus on the sin and not the sinner. How many of you remember, some of you remember, that are <clears throat> as old as I am and older, Popeye the Sailor Man, right? Popeye the Sailor Man, uh, he was committed to protecting, to saving olive oil, right? And before he would protect her honor, he would, he would uh, get that can of spinach, remember, and pop it open. Some of you need to watch Popeye. You get a blank look on your face. We got a picture of Popeye, right? And Popeye would say this. He would say, that's all I can stands. I can't stands no more. That's all I stands and I can't stands no more. Bill Hybels wrote a book called Holy Discontent. The moment when our passion and our purpose intersect. The moment when our, when our anger and our purpose intersect. That righteous anger springs into doing what is right. For Moses, it was seeing the misery of God's people in slavery and leading them out. For William Wilberforce, it was seeing the evil of slavery and devoting his life to ending slavery in England. Six days before his death, John Wesley, in the midst of holy discontent, wrote a letter to William Wilberforce condemning slavery and said that slavery is the worst of all villainies and must be stopped. It was holy discontent from Martin Luther King who took upon the racial oppression he witnessed in the U.S. in the 50s and 60s. It was holy discontent from Mother Teresa, a geometry, a geography teacher in Calcutta. And every day on her way to teach high school, she would pass people that were homeless, diseased, and destitute. And she finally said, I can't stand it no more. And she devoted the rest of her life caring for the people of Calcutta in the streets. I got a text after the last sermon from Cindy McMahon. Many of you know Cindy. And she writes to me how angry she was that her mom was in the COVID unit. I was angry that I couldn't see her or touch her or be with her or let her know that everything is going to be just fine to help bring her peace, to pray with her. Angry that I couldn't do more Cindy's mom passed from COVID and what Cindy began to do out of holy discontent was to be, begin to put together baskets for healthcare workers and those that were sick and families that were sick. Baskets full of love, tons of thank you cards, beverages, snacks, gift cards, handmade knitted items, you name it, so our tiring medical frontline can receive joy. And she said this, thank you for your message as it hit home for me in many ways that I've dealt with anger irresponsibly in the past 
and I knew this time I had to make it right. What a great testimony, right? All of us here have been guilty of dealing with anger irresponsibly. We've all sinned in that way. The good news, if we confess that sin, our God is faithful and just to forgive us and develop righteous anger. Righteous anger can give life-giving creativity and productivity like Cindy has demonstrated and many others have throughout history. To do something that's never been done before because we are letting our anger be transformed and informed by scripture. This day, this Sunday is Reformation Sunday. What is Reformation Sunday? It remembers the day that Martin Luther, in defiance of the Catholic Church because of indulgences and other things he felt were wrong at that time in history in the Catholic Church, that he nailed 95 theses on the door at Wittenberg. Holy discontent. He didn't intend to start a new movement. He just wanted to bring reform to the Catholic Church. But his theses were denied and so a whole new movement called the Protestant Reformation began. Jesus came first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. The Jews rejected him, crucified him. But a whole new movement, the church sprung forth. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, was an Anglican priest. He didn't want to be anything else other than an Anglican priest. But when the Anglican church would not minister to coal miners in the fields and expand ministry to underprivileged children, Wesley left the church and started this new movement. He didn't ever become a Methodist, but a movement began that spread across the whole world. Today, we find ourselves in a division within the United Methodist Church. My passion as a pastor for 42 years, as a leader within this movement, is to bring revival, bring reform to a people called Methodist. But right now, that reform is being resisted, and, and, and I don't know what the future holds. But I have a holy discontent, and I want to see God bless and move among a people called Methodist. Amen? And we'll see what happens with all that. That anger needs to be put toward holy discontent. What is God wanting to do in the midst of all of this? Righteous anger produces holy discontent. Rage produces a holy disconnect. Rage leads to destructive behavior. Rage leads to the attempt of the Pharisees to destroy Jesus. Rage leads to the point of trying to take God out of everything in our culture. There's an anger against God. There's an anger against faith. Jesus rebukes that kind of anger. I remember one Sunday when I got rebuked as a pastor. I really didn't get rebuked as a pastor. I got rebuked as a father. It was in the old sanctuary, and I had told a story about my daughter Ashley in my sermon in the early service. I think it was a good story. I think it was a compassionate story. It was a kind story but I didn't get my daughter's permission. And she met me in the aisle. Between services, they rebuked me very strongly and said, don't you ever do that again. She was pretty clear. I don't like you telling that story. Don't tell that story. Okay. Since then, I've not told a story about my kids that I've not gotten approval. I want to be kind now. I can't say the same thing for my grandchildren. I've kind of 
I told a few grandchildren stories. They haven't given me permission yet. But I called my daughter this week. I said, you remember that time that you, 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 you called me out? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I said, what was that about? Because I don't remember what it was about. She said, well, Dad, you, you said something about, she was in eighth grade, I think. She said something about me not having a boyfriend. And when I got to Sunday school, they made fun of me. Okay. I'm sorry. But you know, it's, it's little things like that that can, that, that can set things off that people get angry. And we need to be rebuked. I needed to be rebuked. Matthew 5, 21, Jesus said this. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, Jesus said, if you are even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. At the very beginning of his Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever preached, Jesus starts with anger. He's talking about the danger of destructive anger. He forbids anger which controls. He forbids anger that won't let go. He, for, he forbids anger that will not forget. He forbids anger that will seek revenge, which becomes rage. I love this quote from Dallas Willard, the great theologian. He says, to cut the root of anger is to wither the tree of human evil. To cut the root of anger is to wither the tree of human evil. How much of human evil finds its beginning in anger and spreads and spreads and spreads, becomes rage out of control. And it disrupts families. It disrupts relationships. It sends people over the edge. And so many acts of violence that happen in our country are driven by rage out of control. So I want to give you in closing some thoughts on how to redeem anger. How to redeem your anger. From Ephesians 4, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives foothold to the devil. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. Get rid of it. Don't forget about it. Get rid of anger and bitterness and rage and harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Get rid of it. Can we use that for a sermon on social media? For text? For email? For Facebook? For Instagram? And all the other things that I don't know about. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Say that with me. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, as a Kentucky football fan and as a Carolina football fan, we may have to modify that and say, don't let the sun come up while you're still angry. Because when we got angry last night, the sun was already down. But don't let the sun come up on your anger. Don't stay angry. Somebody gave me a great illustration, George Nicholson, that his dad told him he'd learned the 80-20 rule. And that is don't let 80-20-year-olds control your anger. <laughs> it's a good advice. Don't let 80, 20 year olds control your anger. So how do we redeem anger? I, I love again, the message paraphrase of this text. Go ahead and be angry. Just be, ang you're going to be ang angry is part of who you are. You do well to be angry. 
But don't use your anger for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Some of you are giving the devil a foothold because you're staying angry. You won't let it go. And the devil's got you right where he wants you. You can't can't focus on good things because you're focused on bad things. You're mad. Righteous anger gets rid of it. Redeemed anger lets it go. Redeemed anger is redirected towards something positive, something good. It's going to require an internal effort through the help of the Holy Spirit. Redeemed anger is concern about others. Redeemed anger wants to protect others. Redeemed anger chooses not to remain a prisoner of resentment. Some of you need to let go of your resentments. Somebody say amen to that. Resentment is eating you up inside. Let it go. Don't be a victim. Redeemed anger is like a river with boundaries, banks. When it's flowing within its banks, it's a blessing to commerce, to recreation. People can enjoy it. But when a river overflows its banks, when anger overflows its banks, it becomes dangerous. When it becomes blocked or dammed up, it becomes dangerous to those downstream. I cannot keep the sun from going down. You can't keep the sun from going down, but I can work on my anger. I cannot let it consume me. I, cannot let it, I can let it not control me. So let me give you these real quickly. It's going to take some awareness. You got to understand why you're angry. Anger is a secondary feeling. It's not a primary feeling. And the source of anger can be pride, can be pain, can be panic. Pride, pain, or panic. You're just afraid. We don't get rid of anger by trying not to be angry. We got to face our pain. We got to face our fears. We got to face our pride. Hurt people hurt people. We know that, right? We must deal with our fears. I believe that much of the anger in this country is based on pride, pain, and fear. My way or the highway. Pain. People have been hurt and fear what's going to happen. And anger seeps up and grows and it becomes an epidemic. I've never used a a Star Wars quote before in a sermon, but here it goes. It was Yoda's response to Skywalker. He says, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger and anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering. That'll preach. That's what's going on all around us. Hate, fear, the dark side. We got to be aware of our anger. You know, when I'm on the John Deere tractor out in the middle of somewhere and I notice that the, that the heat gauge starts to, to go up and the tractor's getting hot, I can choose to try to get back to where I'm going, which I probably won't make it, or I can get off the tractor and clean the debris and the, the weeds and the, 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 the seeds, etc., that I've gotten on the grill of the tractor. And I clean all those off and then I watch that little gauge just go down and, I, and the tractor doesn't leave me where I don't want to be. See, anger will leave you where you don't want to be. But if you'll take some awareness and take some time, our God is slow to anger. You'll cool off. So don't suppress your anger. Suppressed anger, don't mask your anger. It leads to rage. It leads to depression. 
And church, don't let your righteous anger slip into self-righteous anger. I want you to hear that. Don't let your righteous anger slip into self-righteous anger. Well, look at me. I've got this all together. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't let your self-righteous anger take over your life. Don't suppress. Confess your anger to God. Confess to whoever you're angry to. The more honest we are in our relationships, the easier it will be to get at the cause of anger. Express your anger in ways that honor God and follow the example of Jesus. And then redirect your anger to a holy discontent. What is it that God is wanting you to see? What need is God wanting you to meet? A few years ago, our church said that we're angry about human trafficking. Human trafficking should not exist. So we took up offerings and it made an impact against human trafficking. Last year, we said we got angry, holy discontent about affordable housing, and we've now built two habitat houses and more are on the way. What is it that God wants you to do? In this epidemic of national, national anger, I want to share the words of Abraham Lincoln. I said I was going to speak about Lincoln. He, he said these words as the country was about to be divided at the end of his first inaugural address. He said this, we are not enemies. We're not enemies. We may disagree. We may have different positions, but we're not enemies, but we're friends. We must not be enemies. Though passions may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic chords of memory will swell when again touched, as surely as they will be by the better angels of our nature. We're not enemies. All across this land, we're not enemies. Your spouse is not the enemy. The devil wants you to think they're the enemy, but the devil's the enemy. Somebody say amen to that. In this country, your neighbor is not your enemy. The devil is your enemy. And he is sowing seeds all across our culture of confusion to steal, kill, and destroy. Wake up, church. We are called to follow the example of Jesus. Now, I want to finally say this. We need to profess this. Profess this. I have anger. Say that. I have anger. But by the grace of God, anger does not have me. Anger does not have me by the grace of God. Father God, I thank you for this time together. I thank you, Father God, that... that If we confess our sins, we've all been angry to the point of sin. We've done things that we've regretted, said words that have harmed, hurt. We ask you to forgive us. We ask you to cleanse us. We ask you to change us. Help us to become more like Jesus, not to let anger paralyze us, immobilize us, cause us to lash out. Help us to reach out, to heal, to help. And Father God, we know we need your divine help. We can't do that on our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit to work within us, the fruit of self-control in our lives. Father God, I pray for a marriage right now that's struggling because of anger. I pray for a parent, son, daughter relationship that's struggling because of anger. I pray that we would allow your Holy Spirit to bring healing and forgiveness and grace and a new beginning, transformed anger. 
Lord God, do a mighty work here among us so that we can know that you're a good God, a gracious God. Bless your people now. Bless your church. In this time of epidemic of anger, may we be the light of Jesus. Amen and amen.